Hello, I'm Lisa Kay. And I'm Taylor Cole Longacre. This is Intentional Intentional Talk. A show that cares and brings positives to the air. Today on Intentional Talk, we are continuing our conversation about race relations, and we have brought on someone who we consider an academic on the subject. Randy Mayu, for 22 years, has presented synopses of business books at the first Friday Book Synopsis in Dallas. And for 16 years, he has done a monthly urban engagement book club sponsored by City Square. And he also presents books at universities and for special events. Randy is one that I consider who has a very balanced perspective on race relations and the books and the knowledge that we need to obtain to really impact lasting change. Please welcome to Intentional Talk with Lisa Kay and Taylor, Randy Mayu. Thanks, Taylor. Glad to be here. We're glad to have you, Randy. Thank you, Randy, for being here. And as I mentioned in the intro, you have a very unique background. Tell us a bit more about your education and your training and why specifically you have spent time studying race relations. Well, thank you, Taylor and Lisa Kay. The first thing I will say is that I grew up in Jacksonville, Florida in the early part of my life, and it was the Jim Crow era. Uh, I was a little boy in the 1950s, and I remember the department stores that had uh, water fountains in different parts of the building for white people and for, quote, colored people, end quote. And so I grew up in a very segregated Uh, arena, place, and era. When I went to college, I went to Abilene Christian College. It was college then, not university. And I became a minister. I spent the first 20 years of my life in ministry, but I didn't really focus on issues of race until my graduate school days at the University of Southern California. I worked in rhetoric and public address, and I began studying the rhetoric of the civil rights movement. Uh, Special emphasis on the speeches of the late 1950s and early to mid-1960s. So Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X and others. And then in recent years, I mean, I've continued to read all through the years, serious books about race issues. But in recent years, my wife and I on our vacations have been to Atlanta, Birmingham, Selma, Montgomery, Memphis and Little Rock on our own civil rights history tour. We would look at other history places, but we really focused on the civil rights history. So it's a long-term interest of mine. And uh, that's a quick summary of my background. Wow, Randy, that uh, that's some history there of your education. And um, we all need to have more of that education today of what you're bringing to us. Um, I'd like to ask, um, tell us about the first Friday book synopsis. On the first Friday book synopsis, uh, Carl Crayer was my colleague. He is no longer able to participate because of health issues. But Carl and I started it in 1998. And here's what we figured out. Uh, number one, Everybody wishes they knew what was in the best books, but they don't really read them. 
They say they read them. They want to read them. They buy them. They read the first two chapters, and then it gets put on a stack, and it just stacks up. So what we figured out is that we would read the books. We would prepare a very thorough handout, uh, a synopsis handout. So we look at the thesis of the book and the main issues of the book and my lessons and takeaways, and I present it verbally. And I give everybody the multi-page comprehensive handout. And when they leave, it's not like they read the book for themselves, but it comes close. It's a pretty deep dive into the content of the book. So we did these, have done it for 22 years on business books, and that's what it continues to be. And then I realized this skill was transferable into social justice, which is to be honest, and boy, I hate to say this out loud, I love business books, but my heart is also maybe more so in social justice issues. And so that has been the second piece of this uh, development. And we've been meeting at the Park City Club for years until the pandemic, and we'll return to there some point, we hope. And we have anywhere from 80 to 110 people come every month, eat some breakfast, and uh, listen to the two synopses. And wow, Randy, I mean, this is such a good time. And I've had the benefit of being there with you in person when we were able to. And I've seen the group. I've had a chance to get to know a lot of people in the group. And so it's interesting that you decided to bring in a book each month now or recently on race relations. First off, how was that perceived? Because I can see from everyone's feedback to you, it seems rather positive, but I don't believe that it was entirely the case. And then really what brought about your desire to have us research and um, read a synopsis of a book on race relations as part of First Friday. Yeah, and thank you, Taylor. I've done four books, one book a month for four months, and we've quit now. Uh, I may revisit one occasionally, but I will go back to the two business books. Uh, I started with Ibram X. Kendi, Stamp from the Beginning, and then I did Robin DiAngelo, White Fragility, and then I did The Color of Law by Rothstein, which is really the history of the laws that created segregation. And then I ended with How to Be an Anti-Racist, also by Ibram X. Kendi. Um, what prompted it? Well, you've got the obvious news realities of George Floyd dying in the horrible way that he did. But you've also got an ongoing business reality that African-Americans are not treated equally in business settings. Uh, by the way, the book I'm doing in November is about another group that is not treated equally, and that's women. And it's a book called Invisible Women. And that book won the, the Business Book of the Year Award for 2019, done by McKinsey and the Financial Times. Um, there is a, a story out of England that just happened recently that kind of captures why books on racial issues need to be talked about. A barrister, that's the British phrase for a lawyer, African-American woman just recently showed up at the courthouse for work. And it was one of the days she wasn't wearing the wig. You know, some days they wear the wig and some days they don't. And so this black woman walked in and three different times she was stopped because they assumed she was a defendant 
and not a barrister. And there are legendary stories about African-Americans in law firms and in business settings where they are not treated and viewed as equal. And that comes out of the history of, I'll give you my bias, I think we have a systemic long-term racism problem in America. And it comes out of that background. And so they're not treated equally. I assume uh, we're, we're recording this in the Dallas area. I assume you saw the news last week about Stan Richards at the Richards Group. And Stan Richards stated something in a racist way. And they this was the premier um, advertising company in, in the Dallas area. And yeah, one of I used the to work the with country. the Richards Group. Yes. Okay. And, and he has now resigned. He said it was my fault. They have lost massively important clients and they may not recover. And 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 all of that because of a racist mistake. And it was a racist mistake. Now, there are a lot of people who've been appreciative of this decision to cover these books. There are a few who feel like I need to present books on the other side that were more um, saying we don't have systemic racism. The problem is the academic studies demonstrate the racism in segregation and other ways. There's not academic studies seriously arguing the other side. So I'm not saying there's not another side, but but I grew up in racism. Uh, I've, I've been to the places. I know the stories. There is racism in this country and it's got to be dealt with. So that's my long answer to your question. That's a helpful answer, though, Randy. And I think one of the eye opening discussions that we had with the book marked from the beginning, I think, Fortunately and unfortunately, that opened our eyes. That was one that really showed us that um, that there have been institutions formed to protect basically slavery and to protect racism and segregation. Yeah. And that book, which was really the one that launched the uh, career of Ibram X. Kendi, that book um, really did have a key element. I'm I'm calling up a quote. Give me just a second. Um, Well, I thought I had it. I thought I had it up. But but he quotes from Jefferson Davis, who was a member of the United States Senate. But He gave a speech on the floor of the Senate and then later became the president of the Confederate States of America. And and the quote, I'm paraphrasing a little, is that the black person, the Negro, that was the word used then, is intended to be enslaved, is inferior to the white person as he was stamped from the beginning. That's a direct quote from Jefferson Davis in 1860. Um, Alexander Stevens, the one and only vice president of the Confederate States of America in the cornerstone speech, he said that the cornerstone of the Confederacy is the superiority of the white person, the inferiority of the Negro, again, the word he used, Negro, and the God's intention for the black person to be the slave and the servant of the white person. That's the wow. background. Wow. Yeah. Stamp from the beginning. Unbelievable. Yeah. And 
I encourage everyone to read your synopsis of that, but actually to delve in and read the entire book because that was something that I had conversations with my family about that book. Thanks yeah. to you, Randy. Well, thank you. I actually grew up um, in the racism uh, as well. So I, my heart goes out to these conversations and bringing the awareness. I'd like to ask you, Randy, what are some important books you would recommend our audience to read that's regarding racism? So, so the first thing I want to say about that question is that people think, oh, if I could only find the one book that would tell me everything I need to know. And, and I've been doing book presentations for years. And one of the things that I've come to understand is that when you really want to delve into a subject, you've got to read more than one book. One book is not enough. Um, and so when you ask what are some of the books, um, I do believe that that the two by Ibram X. Kendi would be good. The, the How to Be an Anti-Racist book says that there are three groups of people, racist people, anti-racist people, and then there are people in the middle that call themselves non-racist. They say, I'm not a racist, but I'm not an anti-racist. And Ibram X. Kendi says, that's not an option, that there's too much racism and you've got to stand against it. The woman barrister from England actually quoted that formula in an interview on National Public Radio a week or two ago, where she said, it's not enough to be a non-racist, you have to be an anti-racist. But the book, if, if you made me say, what's the one book to read? Um, I would probably go with the brand new one by Isabel Wilkerson called Cast, C-A-S-T-E, Cast. Um, she is a Pulitzer Prize winning author, a great writer. And her earlier book was The Warmth of Other Sons. I read that and I presented it at the Urban Engagement Book Club. I'll present cast at that book club in December. But it is a great book. And I'm, I'm about 50% of the way through with it. Uh, I just can't put it down. It's a terrific book. Now, for the history um, I, I think you want the long-term history, so something like stamped from the beginning. If you're a white person who's trying to wrestle with, have I really had to deal with racism? There's a wonderful book by Charles Dew, D-E-W, called The Making of a Racist. He grew up in Florida near where I did. I didn't know him. And he is white and he grew up with some money and he later discovered how racist his society, his community had been. One more, I know I'm dumping a lot of book titles, but maybe the book that got me started, which I read a couple of decades ago, is Parting the Waters, America in the King Years by Taylor Branch. It's a thick history book and it is brilliant and it won the Pulitzer Prize. So, Lisa Kay, that may be too many books to mention, but, uh, but I, I feel strongly that you cannot read one book and get enough. You've got to, it, just like you can't read one book on marketing. You can't read one book on customer service. You read four books on customer service and it begins to sink in. And you got to read enough for it to sink in. So, 
totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. It doesn't take just one book. Yeah. 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 That's good. And Randy, so in addition to your research, I, I, I would assume you've had some other experiences in helping to facilitate dialogue on diversity. I know you, you've traveled quite a bit. You've done your own research. Tell us a little bit about some of the other things that you've done, because I think it's great to, to read, but I, I feel like you are also um, helping to facilitate, helping to create, helping to um, build opportunities for conversation. Um, One of the things, Taylor, that I think I would say, uh, we have not, we have not figured out the formula on how to get rid of racism in American companies. We have not done it in the police departments, in any of them. I have done presentations in in a major company in North Texas, uh, founded and centered in North Texas. And I've done presentations to police departments on racial issues. But one of the things that I believe is that we think, let's try this. And then when it isn't working, we don't ask, what should we do to change to find something that works? And so there's a lot of discussion about implicit bias training. Um, Malcolm Gladwell, in in the book, uh, The Tipping Point, and Blink especially, talks about how white people and black people both kind of automatically assume that when they see the face of a black person, that person is not as trustworthy as the face of a white person. Uh, there, There are real interesting accounts of that in Blink. Malcolm Gladwell is mixed race. And, and so they've done implicit bias training, and now there's research that says it doesn't change anything. And so that's a bother. And, and so one comment is we haven't fixed this any more than we fixed the women in business issue. You know, if you look at the number of women who are CEOs of, of Fortune 500 companies, it's grown in minuscule numbers, just minuscule numbers. And so one of the things that I think nobody has done a good job on is the history of acceptable racism. And and so the segregation, the rules, the uh, the exclusion of people. I told you that I went to Abilene Christian. Abilene Christian was, I believe, the last private university in Texas to accept a black student. It was a Christian university. Uh, The Church of Christ, that was the group I was in, was racist. W.A. Criswell, the pastor at First Baptist of Dallas, Mm -hmm. was overtly racist. He was a segregationist. He believed in something called the curse of Cain. I'm not even gonna go into that, but it's it's disgusting in my view. Mm -hmm. Well, in, in 1960, Uh, there was a very prominent preacher in the Church of Christ who gave a lecture to thousands of people at an annual gathering at Abilene Christian, and he said, we have got to come to grips with our racism. He and his wife received death threats. Wow. The attacks on him were, were really long and endless and ghastly. And in one sense, he never quite recovered from it, nor did his wife. But he was a he was a saint and a hero. Yeah. Um, so 
but but to answer your question, I believe that businesses ought to tackle the question of why was our history this way? And we've got to acknowledge the history to understand why there needs to be progress. That's my bias on that. Yeah, that's helpful, Randy, because I've, I've also, you know, all of us, I think we have to acknowledge that we do have biases in our hearts and maybe it's because of how we're raised or perceptions or something we were taught. Recognize that and then be willing to learn, be willing to, to learn the truth from perhaps the other side and then build a bridge for change. Yeah. Um, if there's ever going to be anything new, anything that would happen to help reconcile us and or bring us to a place where we can start to love and work together. Yeah. A, a personal comment. I always feel funny that I'm the guy speaking on racism. I'm a white guy uh, in the same way that I try to speak on issues of women in business and I'm not a woman. Um, uh, there's there's a scene in the, in the movie Chariots of Fire where uh, the runner Abrams, who was Jewish, says, I have to win. And she says, why? The girl that he's dating, the young woman that he's dating. And he says, because I'm Jewish. And she said, that couldn't possibly matter. And he said, you've never been Jewish. Mm -hmm. wow. I've never been a woman and I've never been a black person. So I try to read books where I let the voice of the author who is black or who is a woman speak through me. That's that's something that I do very intentionally. And uh, this book on invisible women is written by a woman. Um, if, if you haven't heard this, um, Jane Austen is now on the back of the 10 pound note in Great Britain. This woman got that done. She's oh. the champion that got uh, the queen is on the front of the bill. And if there's a king, he would be on the front. But on the back is the first woman ever on the back of the British pound. And she got it done. So wow. she's the author of the book that I'm doing in November. <laughs> so. Well, I commend you for how you present these books, though, Randy. And again, to, speaking to our audience, if you have not had an opportunity to attend First Friday Book Synopsis, it's a must attend event. And frankly, because it's also done on Zoom. You, this is your opportunity. We've had people from all over the, the country yeah. who've attended now because we're not meeting in person. So thanks, Taylor. Oh, my goodness. You know, Randy, you you educated yourself for many, many years and you're bringing that awareness that that we should all be together, join together Um it's, I, I love this. This is a great, great conversation. And your wisdom is far, I, I just love learning from you. Thank you. Well, thank you. Where do you feel like your faith falls into all of this? That's a little tougher um, because first of all, the white church has not done a historically good job on racial issues. So, so we have to acknowledge that truth. And after saying that, um, you know, we're all kind of children of, of what gave us our foundation. And I happened to begin my Christian ministry years. And I don't know that either of you will know this because it's a historical note. Uh, in the in the burgeoning era of InterVarsity Christian Fellowship Press, 
and it was it was kind of a serious Christian book publishing company that dealt with issues of social justice and change. And there was a very famous author who was regularly published, I believe, by that press named Francis Schaeffer, very conservative. But he had an essay called They Will Know Us By Our Love. And he said, if you don't love people who are different from you, then Jesus himself said, people will not accept me. They will, they will reject me because of your failure to love. And, and he had a great sermon in a book of sermons called No Little People. And he said, the essence of Christian faith is that everybody is valuable to God and there are no little people. So I read those books, I heard those sermons, and and those began to shape me. Um, The portions of the Bible that are used by the racist chapters of the church ignore the other portions of the Bible. And and so we're very selective in our Bible reading. <laughs> and and so I think if you read the Bible, if you read the prophet of Amos, uh, the prophet Amos, if you read the Old Testament prophets, what Christians call the Old Testament prophets, if you read Paul, who said there's no longer Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you read the Bible with with the question, who am I keeping out? Mm-hmm. Then, then it begins to sink in. So those are some ways that my faith, I think, informed my journey on this. Well, I love that. And, you know, God created all of us equally, loves us equally, and we should do the same thing equally. Lisa Kay, the, the Christian racists actually argued that black people were not fully human. Go back to the curse of Cain. They were cursed by God and were not to be viewed as fully human. I think that's a terrible view of the scripture. And uh, and yet we can't deny that that was a significant portion of the thinking of many decades. So um, sorry to be so blunt, but that was the reality. Yeah. Right. And one of the challenges that I have, just frankly, for me, Randy, is being raised in white evangelical America. So my teaching of scripture and the Bible has been taught by white evangelicals. And then I'm to try to listen, to take in the teaching, to read the King James Version of the Bible and then say, wait a minute, the same God who every portrayal of Jesus is pretty much blonde hair, blue eyes. Yet I've been to the Middle East and I've I've been to Israel and I know what people historically would look like from that time and still be able to ascribe that Jesus Christ who died for my sins and for my freedom and for who lives again for me, that he would love me all the same as everyone else. And so, you know, it is, it has been a challenge for me in, in my Christian faith. And I've been, I've walked with the Lord my whole life, but it has been a challenge because of the leaders who God placed in my path to teach me scripture. Yeah. Yeah. And I understand that. And and I heard some of the same ones, a lot of the same ones for a long time. So uh, very interesting. Uh, In case you're wondering, Elisa Kay, I fully agreed with you that God loves everybody with one possible exception. 
New England Patriots fans. <laughs> Other than them, I think. <laughs> so, Randy, you've made a good friend um, with my mom. I need to introduce you to my mom. She and you would have a good time. <laughs> that's a joke. Okay. Oh, that's funny. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Randy, oh, Lisa Kay, go ahead. No, go ahead. Something else I was I was meaning to ask you about, and it's something that you brought up. One is business and things that are happening in our organizations today. But the other is what's happening in our communities. And in one of our first Friday book synopsis, you talk with us about this this um, pile of, of waste, a big dump that was set up in Southside Dallas and then how communities can continually be oppressed just by the way government is run. Let's let's talk a bit about that. The story, and, and it just happened to hit as I was doing that book, uh, was Shingle Mountain in Dallas. It was a, a, a massive mountain of discarded shingles. And if you've ever held the shingle, you know that as the wind blows and the rain blows, it's going to disintegrate and it's going to just fill the air, pardon me, the air with toxic material. And so in Dallas over the last two years, there is a neighborhood in South Dallas, lower income, predominantly African-American that has had a massive mountain of discarded shingles. And so the city has finally given a contract to have those removed. But the African-American woman who lives right next to it is is having incredible difficulty breathing. And the people of the community have been harmed by the environment from that shingle mountain uh, disintegration. And one of the things that I said was, if somebody had just started stacking up shingles in University Park or Highland Park or Prestonwood, uh, Preston Hollow in Dallas, I can assure you that they would have been removed immediately. Yeah. And South Dallas did not have that kind of clout. Um, we're in the middle of this global pandemic, and I don't know if you saw this, but there is now um, a serious problem of children being put together in groups for remote learning, and it is more segregated, all white, than the children in the classrooms. Yeah. And and so, you see, the the racial separation is just automatic in so many ways. And that's happening today. I read that either yesterday or today. So, um, but that's the uh, government needs to realize that. And that's exactly right. Yes. And another thing that we talked about in one of our uh, first Friday sessions, I think it probably was that same one, was about how communities, and I'm speaking of the homeowners associations, the deed restrictions that are on those communities are written to keep certain races out. The communities were designed that way. Um, Highland Park here in the Dallas area was a deed restricted community. And so if you bought a house, it would say on the deed, in the deed, that you could not sell it to a quote, Negro or a Jewish person. So this was anti-Jewish and anti-Black. When I moved to Dallas in 1987, the two most premier country clubs did not have a single Black member or a single Jewish member. 
and would not accept them. This is 1987. Yeah. Reagan was president. You know, this isn't 1940 or 50. And so uh, those are some ways. Now, those deed restrictions, even in houses where they still exist, are not legally binding. Uh, they were they were made illegal in 1965 of uh, 64 in the Civil Rights Act. But they still are in the documents, even though they're not enforceable. So hmm. oh, I never knew that. Yeah. And Lisa Kay, that's not an unimportant line. Um, there are people who came to these book synopses and they, in one way or another, said, I didn't know this stuff. Yeah. And, and we should have known this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. This is wonderful information. Um, yeah. Is there anything else, Brandy, that you would like to share with us or add to? Um, here's what I think. I think you believe what you fill yourself with. Yeah. And so if you fill yourself with with elements of, of thought that lead you to exclude people, you're going to exclude people. If you fill yourself with elements of thought about including people, you will become more inclusive. You are, there's a line attributed to Aristotle, but I've never been able to prove that. You are what you think about all day long. That's that's the line. Uh, if you want to use a Bible verse, whatever is pure, honorable, just, think on such things. Mm -hmm. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Think about those words and the way we talk about each other and the way we treat people. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I would say is people ought to find something to listen to and read that will stretch them rather than just reinforce what they've always heard. They've got to read things on purpose to stretch them. That's one of the things I believe deeply. Uh, I want to end with this thought. Here's the easiest thing in the world to do to have your eyes open. Print out, I have a dream by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And then get a pen in your hand I do this with my speech students. I teach speech at the community college and circle all of the phrases that he repeats 100 years later, 100 years later. Now is the time. Now is the time. I have a dream uh, and uh, let freedom ring and let freedom ring and, and circle the phrases that are repeated. And then ask yourself, what does this say about the society that he had to speak about this in 1963. Mm. And I promise you, it is still powerful today. So that's an easy way to start. Wow. What great advice, Randy. And we knew, we knew you'd be perfect to have this conversation with us. We could keep going. And I think we oh, should yeah. continue this type of conversation because you've been so beneficial to this. And we commend you for being brave and bold and uh, bringing this to light because the, the individuals that are part of First Friday Book Synopsis, they're, they're not teenagers. I'll just say they're not teenagers. And I've seen some eyebrows raised and some people saying, wait, I never knew this. I never heard this. 
And um, so there's a lot more awareness in our community. Thanks to you, Randy. Yes. Thank you, Taylor. Thank you, Lisa Kay. And thanks to the two of you for putting this podcast on and spreading good words to people. That's great. Way to go. This was great education. The whole world needs to hear this. So thank you so much, Randy. Thank you. Well, thank you for joining us for Intentional Talk with Lisa Kay and Taylor. You can get this show anywhere you get your podcasts, we're excited to say. Also on my channel on Pray.com and soon on Life Network for Women. So thank you again for joining us. Be sure to go to intentionaltalk.org to find our show notes and learn more about Randy Mayu. And also you can learn about First Friday book synopsis on Randy's website and just join us on the first Friday of every month. Month via Zoom. 